Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. It is your home team crew, myself, Ben Popper, along with my wonderful collaborators, Cassidy Williams and Ciara Ford. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Whoa. Good. Nice to see y'all. Right before we came on, I was doing a bit of mumbling, and I think it's in the air. We all read this great story this week, why everybody needs subtitles turned on all the time, no matter what they're watching. Somebody explain to me what's going on here. Yeah. So this is a link that I shared in the actual Stack Overflow newsletter, and I think a lot of people watched it separate from that too, where I don't know about y'all, but no matter what I watch, I have subtitles on now. And for a while, I was just like, man, I didn't ever really need this as a kid. I use them now and I never miss anything. It's really nice. I I like subtitles, even if it's in my native language. And turns out it's a thing. It's (laughs) It's not just me, everyone. In the past, people who were acting in movies, they were often very Broadway theater trained and stuff, and they enunciated right. every single thing in it, and it was a declaration. And so on that end, on the actor's end, they just performed differently. And then on the actual sound engineering end, there used to be just one track, or there was a much more simplistic way of recording audio. But now we have much more advanced ways of being able to get every single mumble a person could possibly say and get the <laughs> microphones closer than ever, get the get multiple tracks mastered and right. put together. And so as a result, because we have this technology of being able to listen to anything, unfortunately, that means that actors don't have to declare every single loud statement (laughs) they want to say, they can mumble just as they would in daily conversation. And so captions are really helpful if you have no idea what they're saying. That is what this article is all about. There's technology here at work. Like you would watch these old movies and they showed some and there's a boom mic right above them and everybody have to speak. And then you notice now, once they show the boom mic, everybody's blocking the blocking on stage. So their faces are towards the mic, right? And there's that famous, they like even parody that in this movie where the woman keeps turning her head. I'm doing it. And she's on And then she's off. She's like talking like, and it's like that. <laughs> but now everyone's wearing a lav mic. Plus you've got boom mics. Plus you've got a million other things. And I was just watching All Quiet on the Western Front. And I noticed in multiple scenes after watching the Vox video, people saying a line with their head turned to the side, completely away from the direction of the camera. And it, it, it was like muffled. And I was like, oh, there it is. But now, now I see it. Like I, I was starting to notice it in the movies once I watched that video. Yeah. I, I know the video also mentioned a couple actors who like are notoriously super quiet anyway. I can't right. remember what actor they named specifically, but they I were think Alec like Baldwin was who they talked about. Yeah. Who has like a rep <laughs> of being like a whisperer. So like all that on top of each other kind of makes it so that basically you're not crazy. People are mumbling and the right. audio quality is just or the sound engineering is just different now. So you really can't hear or differentiate like the words people are saying. It's not you like losing your hearing or something like that. Right. Or your focus in this era of technology. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I do think it helps if you have ADHD specifically to watch with subtitles. Yeah. Because Mm. giving your brain something else to do in addition to like watching the movie or the TV show Also reading the subtitles at the same time, I feel like kind of helps keep your brain active so you have an easier time actually like doing something while watching. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's easier to like pay attention. I find that's why like even if I'm watching like a like an animated show or movie, 
I still turn on subtitles because it helps me to like stay focused. Although it has none of the issues with the the microphone being wherever and people turning away and everything. I still like to have subtitles because it helps. Part of this is a technology thing about, you know, the improvements in the microphones. Part of this is that they're like, oh, we can fix it in post now because we have the technology. And I've recently become obsessed with Serato, the DJ equipment now. I don't know if I mentioned this already. It has automatic stems. So like it'll grow in, you can go in and just grab the acapella, just grab the bass, just grab the drums off the track, even if they weren't separated, Mm. right? Like the machine can do that. And so that lets actors cheat a little. But to Sierra's point, the other thing is everybody now is watching these Oscar nominated two and a half hour films on their phone in 10 minute chunks while they're doing something else. And so like subtitles are part of that, like multitasking of consuming media, right? I watched a bunch of movies with my family just over the holidays, like old Christmas movies and stuff like that. And it was interesting because they are all older movies where they are like the theater trained people, like like A Christmas Story, for example, or White Christmas, those kinds of movies where everybody's kind of shouting, everyone's kind of declaring what they're saying. It's, it's the, Everyone's <laughs> kind of facing the camera just enough. And you do notice right. a difference where we didn't necessarily need captions. We didn't turn them on mostly because my parents were just like, why would you throw captions on? They don't understand why it's a thing. But then when we would turn on newer movies, like for example, we watched the new Glass Onion movie, that Knives Out movie on Netflix. That one, I was just like, could we please put captions on? Because (laughs) some of these people are a bit quieter than others. And and now I know it's, it's by design. And another thing which has, again, nothing to do with like the technical side of this is watching stuff with people who have different English accents. Yeah. So like if I'm watching a British TV show, especially depending on like where in England it's like based, I absolutely 1000% have to have subtitles like because <laughs> I won't understand what's going on otherwise. So like that's another huge part of it now is that. I don't know what it was like 50 years ago, but I feel like especially now we have so much more access to media outside of the United States. Like right. I've watched British TV, sh- like so many British mysteries and TV shows and things where it's based out of Manchester or Birmingham, stuff like that, where they have like these like super British <laughs> accents that right. for me are hard to understand. And I'm like, maybe that wasn't so much of a thing. 60 years ago or whatever. That's very you know true. Right. Like the internationalization of it. Cause it, right. that's like, I very similarly, I watched dairy girls, which is an Irish show. If I didn't have captions, I would have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very funny show. And, and it reminds me of a quote that I think it was the director of parasite said, where he was just like, it's amazing how much of the world opens. If you can get over the fact that there's like a one inch caption on the screen or, or something, something to that effect where if you're right. willing to watch captions, then it opens up your opportunity for watching certain things from all around the world. And so I do think that's a very true point. A new hub for the platform engineering community. The Upbound Marketplace houses everything you need to upskill your infrastructure with Crossplane without having to replace everything you already have. Start integrating with your stack today at marketplace.upbound.io. So I wanted to segue us a little bit into something I shared that I thought was interesting. Google has been releasing a lot of AI research. They released like a huge sort of overview of everything that they've done. And then they've been doing a bunch more. Uh, they want to make you know, sort of their presence in the field 
felt strongly. So it's called Music Element, Generating Music from Text. And you can't use it, like you can't just put in your own text and have it generate music yet, although hopefully they will. But the samples that they included are amazing. So you say the main soundtrack of an arcade game is fast-paced and upbeat with a catchy electric guitar riff. And then you click it and it sounds like a great, like somebody made a Super Nintendo theme, except an AI just generated it. So I've been thinking about how fun this is for like creators, you know, like you can now get your own theme songs in there. You can like get something that's your mood or whatever, or even just a start of a song and then you can work on it. But I also was thinking about how this is the end of like stock music. I don't know if either of you have ever had to use that, but like mm-hmm. I've used a lot of stock music and stock photos in my life as a journalist, creator, video maker. Like you need a little something, you go and you get a track. That business is just gone now. Like if you need stock music or photos or pretty soon video, like it's just going to get generated by software. I'm very curious about what the future of this will be because I also use, I I use services for music for like the background of my live stream and and for different Mm -hmm. videos and stuff. And so this is something up my interest alley, but also it will be really interesting how copyright goes because the main thing that protects a lot of creators in this space, I'm really interested in the, in copyright for musicians and stuff is having this legal entity that protects you and allows you to get your music licensed. Because if the AI generates this music for a video, let's just say you're making a short film of some kind and you end up using it as the soundtrack, does the copyright go to the bot? Who owns that copyright? (laughs) Is it the person who prompt engineered the bot to make this soundtrack? I, I feel like that ownership level is something that is a mystery to me. And and I'll be curious to see how that changes because I I feel like the industry of stock music isn't dead until this part is solved. Right. But I'm, I'm also so hype for the Cassidy live stream where you write the description of the music you want. And then over time it like learns and gets better and becomes more personalized to you or what, to what your fans respond to. Yeah, uh, man, I've worked so hard on curating this playlist, and what's the point? <laughs> the AI will just do it for me. Uh, I find this whole like AI stepping into like the world of creatives really interesting because I feel like a lot of people have like very polarizing opinions. I haven't seen any takes on the the AI generated music yet, but I'm interested to see what people think about it because I've seen like some very like wildly different opinions on the whole like AI generated art. Some people are like, it's not really art because the whole point of art is for you to like for actual human being to create it. So I wonder what people are going to think about music as well. I think AI is opening up a lot of interesting discussions. I personally don't really know how I feel about it yet, but I think like just hearing this at face value, it sounds really cool to like be able to, put in a description like I'm I'm interested in knowing what was everything that went into creating this like how long did it take what like what did you do <laughs> to make right. this website that can take a description and turn it into a song that to me is pretty interesting technologically speaking to the earlier argument of dubs versus subs I saw a another you know similar thing working with these AI techniques, I'll try to remember where it came from and put it in the show notes, but basically you show it a, you know, a quick snippet of video and it like renders the face and you know the way the lips are moving. And then you say, same scene, but in Spanish. Same scene, but without mm-hmm. the curse word. So we can get the PG-13 version. And it just like produces these awesome, you know, seamless edits 
of the same scene without you having to go in and re-record, you know, like any audio. So in some ways, like you said, what would open up the world more for people to watch foreign films, right? Like in some ways, that kind of technology could be so incredible because a lot of people can't be bothered to watch subtitle films. But at the same time, like Ciara is saying, scary, a little bit unknowable still at this point. Yeah, because I hear what you're saying and I'm like, what if somebody is like, oh, say this really crazy criminal statement <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. what's the, the, like, the insidious stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm like, I think I said this in a previous episode, like a couple weeks ago. Like, this is one of the times where I'm like, we really need to have some sort of formal regulations for these things because yeah. there's just too much potential for like just absolute craziness. Because I have seen some like deep fakes that are like incredible, like mm-hmm. how accurate they look. But at the same time, that's super scary. I don't think there's enough footage. Well, I hope not. I don't think there's enough footage on me, of me online to create like a realistic deep fake. But if I was like a celebrity and I saw like a deep fake of me saying like the I have a dream speech or something like that that I've never said before, I would be like, right. this is cool, but terrifying at the same time because there's yeah. just too much potential for like. My my head stays the same. You're always changing your hairstyle. So it's going to be way harder for you than it is for me. I'm just the same. <laughs> yeah bald egg with a beard every time, but you're always coming up with new and creative. Right now we're at a good point where first of all, there's like a lot of uncanny Valley stuff where multiple tech people I've seen who've been experimenting with it have said, there's this one AI thing that makes it. So your eye, your eyes are always looking at the camera, no matter where your head is. And everyone in the audience was like, this is really freaky. Could you stop it? Could you turn it off? And so like, we're, we're still in that uncanny Valley part. But then what's also interesting is I've been reading some papers recently and, and some announcements about how people are trying to figure out how do we watermark, quote unquote, audio and watermark art and, and text in a way where people can tell that it's been AI generated in some way for these purposes to avoid the insidious natures that could come out of it. But it's a blessing and a curse when anyone can do this. Yeah. Like even if there was just like a... I don't know how internet regulations work as far as the law is concerned, but if there was some rule decided by some entity that like you have to denote that it's generated by AI before you publish it to the world, that would to me be like, okay, that's more reassuring than just like, here's this deep fake, but I'm not telling you it's a deep fake and everybody's going crazy because they're like, oh my gosh, look at Beyonce saying this thing. Like, this is so crazy. And it's not real. I don't know how this will work either because the laws are made all the time, but the internet was not designed with these kinds of regulations in mind. It it was designed to be fully open for better or for worse. And so like laws like GDPR, for example, have been made and it works really well for people who follow the rules, but (laughs) not everybody does. And people will figure out their loopholes around the rules and stuff. And so there's going to be, I think a lot of, interesting changes and ideas coming out of it over time. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see how this evolves. And we'll do a, a five years from now, we'll be like, oh my gosh, they actually created a law because they listened to the Stack Overflow podcast. Wow. It was us. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen, um, when I say the term stand Twitter, do you guys know what that means? Yes. <laughs> First of all, okay. Good. I know what it means, but you should probably explain it to the audience. Okay. So Stan Twitter is basically the side of Twitter where people who stand or are big fans of different like 
musicians or actors like hang out and they talk about whoever their favorite celebrity is and all that kind of stuff. So that's what Stan Twitter is in a nutshell. But Stan Twitter also can be a place where a lot of like heated arguments and debates happen between what? like who's a better singer, who's like who would have thought <laughs> things like that. So one of the things I have seen happen is on Twitter in the browser, you can change the text in a tweet if you open up dev tools and like right you know and i've seen people <laughs> like fabricate tweets from like different celebrities or even oh, like fans of celebrities and be like oh my gosh look at this crazy thing they said and like it'll start like a whole nonsense and so <laughs> when i hear about like ai generated art or ai generated this that and the third changing the audio of this clip or whatever that's automatically what I think of because yeah. I'm pretty sure like whoever created DevTools in Chrome never intended for somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah. Or at the oh. very least, I would like, you know, edit a tweet from like, I don't know, Zane or something like that saying like, I love Ciora, but I'm not going to like, do you know what Oh, I yeah. Mean? No, I mean, like I've done that <laughs> too, where it's just like, yeah. wow, Beyonce said I was really cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Look at that. Huh. But like, that's just, that's silly. But unfortunately, people take that to the not silly extremes where they <laughs> yeah. spread straight up misinformation right, out in the world. Right. That's kind of like a, a smaller, slightly harmless, not harmless, but like not, it's obvious enough for most people to catch it when it happens, but it still is like done in right. bad faith. So that to me is like, man, if that can happen with like tweets, I'm sure somebody's going to cook up something really crazy with this, this deep fake stuff. So I want to take us to the outro and I wanted to give a shout out to Siavash. He is a listener of the show who has been writing in, specializes in data science, is a data engineer over at a company called Clio and wanted to send us some links that we could share every week with the podcast. So this week, an awesome list of open source data engineering projects you can contribute to. That was thrown up on January 24th, so it's pretty fresh. So I'll put it in the show notes. And if you're a listener and you're interested in contributing or learning about data engineering, we will have a link for you. And I guess if you're a listener and you want to contribute to the podcast, this is what we're looking for. Stuff we could talk about or things we could share with the audience that will make it easier for folks to learn and grow in their careers. Now that I've shouted out somebody from the audience who helped us with an idea, I'll shout out somebody who won a badge. There haven't been any lifeboat badges recently, but my favorite new type of badge that I've been shouting out is the stellar question. Somebody who asked just like a great question. And so it was saved by at least a hundred other users. So open two instances of a file in a single visual studio session. Thanks to Paragon for asking such a great question. You've helped 175,000 people with the same question. And you've gotten the stellar question badge. So we appreciate it. As always, I'm Ben Popper. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can email us with questions, suggestions, or your weekly contributions, podcast at Stack Overflow. Uh, and if you like what you hear, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. And my name is Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Authero by Okta. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is at Ciorio. That's C-E-E-O-R-E-O -E -E underscore. And I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O -O on most things. And I'm CTO at Contenda. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.